All right, everybody, what's up? It's Fran uh, over at Hark, primarily today, focusing on the blend, CX and EX, everything in between. Uh, today, I am joined by Zoe Khan from Chance. Hello, Zoe. Hi, Fran. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to dive in. Of course. Yeah. So um, this podcast is brought to you by Hark, which uh, we all know is the easiest way to get in touch with your favorite customer service teams using video and audio. Um, today with Zoe, primarily, we are going to talk a bit about her background, how she got here into the role she's at at Chomps, what is Chomps, and uh, we'll take it from there. There's a lot to cover in terms of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, uh, retention, focusing for next year, 2023. Um, but let's start with that. We were chatting before the podcast. Everyone's in the thick of it. W what's top of mind for you heading into the busy season of the year? Yeah, uh, we're just trying to be proactive. Sally, you're not invited to the podcast. <laughs> My dog. That's okay, she's like, Sally. She's talking. Um, well, yeah, we were just talking about how crazy it is with Black Friday, Cyber Monday prep. Um, right now, uh, I do CX, but I also manage the digital marketing part too. So just making sure like all the assets are available and ready yeah. and consistent throughout every single touch of the consumer. So uh, that prep, but then also just the proactive prep of making sure that whatever could go wrong won't go wrong. And if something does go wrong, what do we do? And the proactiveness of um, making sure everything's updated to uh, ensure people are, we're transparent about maybe that we're trying to fulfill everything on time, but, um, or like usual, but it's inevitable to have shipping delays. And so making sure there's like transparency on that front on every single touch point of the consumer without deterring sales, if that makes sense. We don't want to yeah. scare people. Of course it makes sense. I mean, I think the proactive approach is great and a lot of people appreciate it. So, so you handle um, a lot more in terms of customer touch points than maybe the normal CX leader. So you know, how do you tow that line and like what tools are you using to be proactive and, and provide a great experience throughout the whole journey? Yeah. And that's, I think is like underestimated as far as like the CX world right now. I think yeah. that people, <laughs> I think that people are looking at the CX world still as like just the person who manages the support tickets and mm -hmm. the organization of that. But CX is really the whole experience, right? So yeah. anytime your consumer is touching or, or seeing your brand, that's they're experiencing it. And so um, I'm kind of leaning more on that and figuring out, um, yeah, every single touch point where what can we do to the for the customer to make it easier to get all have complete transparency and um, a good experience for the customer overall. Yeah. Uh, as far as tools. Here's Ali. Go lay down. <laughs> My dog like really wants to be involved. Sit. I think she hears us talking about chomps. Every time I have a chomps, I guess we could talk about what a chomps chomp is. <laughs> yeah, that's a good segue, right? <laughs> we're we're um, meat sticks, like beef jerky kind of, yeah. but um, a better for you meat stick. So it's like very clean. Um, yeah. But every time I open one or even I'm talking about them, it's like a trigger word for her because I give her a, a piece every time. So I think that's what she thinks is going on here. She's like bothering me. Like, hold on, hold on. When, I'll take when one. You give, when you give her a piece, do you let her bite it or do you rip it off? No. I rip it off and give it to her. I There's, guess I shouldn't. 
Some people out there, they, they share their ice cream with their dog, which is disgusting to me, but <laughs> it happens. No, I rip it off and I give it to her, but okay. I could, I guess I could see some dog moms and dads just like being <laughs> like, here, you, your bite next, but no. Um, so sorry about her. She just gets so excited with chomps good, as everybody should. Um, but as far as tools, uh, so many tools, but like that proactiveness, like a good, you're familiar with like wonderment. Yeah. Um, everybody's going to be checking their tracking. So that's, I think that if, if brands don't use wonderment, definitely think about it or a post purchase, like instead of sending someone just to the USPS page, send them to like a branded page. That's like the most visit visited page ever. It's crazy to see those stats is like how many people check their status of their order, but then like also recheck it. So um, we're just making sure to have like all of that communication updated too on those pages so that it's not our normal, like whatever we promise three to seven business days, but please expect, thank you for your patience. Please expect some delays um, because it's not on our front, but we understand that all of our, the carriers are going to be swamped with Black Friday orders and there's always delays. It's inevitable. It's out of your hands a bit, but there are, there's brands that I use specifically. Um, I've moved to subscription for them because I can count on them. So I, I know the, the normal process, like you said, is like you get a tracking number and you've got to dig through your email box, find that, click on it, you know, or copy paste it, whatever you do. Um, there are brands, you know, using like Wonderman and other tools out there where you get these proactive emails saying, hey, it got held up in Kentucky. It'll be two days late. We'll let you know when it's released and it's back on its way, right? And yep. you know, not only are they more touch points where that brand is top of mind to the consumer, but it's a positive touch point. Um, even if it's a negative that the carrier is delaying it, they're on top of it for you and you know you're being taken care of. You don't have to reach out and waste yep. 20 minutes of your day doing that. So yeah, I totally agree. I think the proactive approach is um, something everybody needs to be doing. Not, not only in the holiday season, I mean like overall, but, but especially right now. Yeah. And talking about that subscription process, that's another thing that's always like brain boggling for us for our uh, for setting up any type of sales, because um, on the back end for and a lot of companies do this where it's like if you sign up for a subscription, you get percentage off. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it gets confusing when you're trying to do sales and like. I don't want to spo spoil our sailor. I don't know when this podcast is going up, but <laughs> I can't say what our sale actually is. But it gets, no matter what the sale is, it always gets confusing how to like set it up for on the back end for subscriptions because you have like your, you have your Shopify platform and then you have whatever subscription you're using um, where you on recharge right now. And uh, depending on like if you have a unified checkout, so they like talk to each other at the checkout or not is a factor. And, uh, but then like, you also need to take care of your active subscribers, like yeah. if they want to get that subscription. So like allowing them to apply that discount code to their next subscription is like always a thing. And then it's like, well, do they get that, that, that discount on top of their already discounted subscription and like thinking through that and all of the like we always get a ton of subscription outreach for sales so we're trying to figure out like what's the best user experience for that um and it always seems we always seem to miss something somehow and so we're yeah. trying to like perfect that process of like making sure our subscribers who are like our most loyal customers are taken care of but at the same time we're not like losing money <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough balance. Uh, we were, I can't remember who I was just talking about this with last week, but they were taking the approach of anytime there's a sale, um, we're not going to add that. So say the subscription amount is 5% off, which a lot of people are, uh, and, and there's a sale for 15% off. They're not going to give 20, but they will right. give 15 proactively. And again, use as a touch point, like, hey, a sale's going on. Thank you for being a loyal customer. We applied this proactively. So you'll see a lesser charge in your next subscription. Um, and, and, and they don't know yet the data outcome of that, but you know, mm -hmm. everybody in this environment is looking for how do we get better retention metrics? And, uh, if, if that impacts the LTV over the long haul, um, and, and the data plays out the way they think it should, it, it should be a no brainer. So yeah, it, right. I think everybody's trying to figure it out to your point. Yeah. It's, uh, and most brands, I'm pretty sure, like if you look at your LTV of your subscribers compared to your, like your normal LTV overall customers, it's yeah. obviously huge. So you don't, it's like that you don't want to do something like sneaky either, where it's like, oh, well, like if they notice we're having a sale, then we'll take care of them. You know, like, it's like, you want to take care of, like, that's a, whatever brand's doing that, that's a really good approach to it. Cause it's not like, oh, if they reach out, we'll give them the discount, you know? Right, so it's like right. taking care of your, yeah, your most loyal consumers that have that highest LTV. And also on the back end, when they do, when the customers do reach out, you get that influx, you know, it bogs down your, your agents and takes a lot of time away from other mm -hmm. things that they could be doing um, and then puts other people on hold or a longer wait time. So yeah, it, it, it there's clearly a ripple effect through the whole thing. Yep. And, um, but I, I, I don't know if it's every time you go through it, you might miss something because you get outreach. I, I think a lot of consumers are confused because no brand does it a certain way and everyone does it differently. So oh yeah, it's tough to nail it because everyone's doing it differently, you know? Yeah. And I think that as a consumer, you can't expect them to understand, obviously, like you think it's easy. It's like, oh, well, you're giving a 20% off, then I should get that 20% off. Like, but the back end stuff, it's like, gets so complicated. And yeah. so you can't expect your consumers to know that. So it's like, yeah. what can you do to prevent like any confusion on their end to stop that ripple effect? Yep. And to your point, like, it's not their problem. Like they don't, mm -hmm. it's not however, their problem. Yeah, like they're, hey, I'm buying your meat stick because I love it, but all the back end stuff, like I don't have a lot of sympathy for that. Like, you know, figure right. it out and get back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Speaking of meat sticks, how did you get involved? So so take a step back. You have a much different background in terms of getting into CX. So so tell people your 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 backstory and then how the hell did you land a chance? Yeah. Um, I have a very interesting like story. Most of all, it's just because I will do I like like had challenge and I like to keep things interesting, but I actually started, um, and I'll give like the little snippets. I started at GNC in retail supplements. I've always been into like, uh, health and fitness and stuff. Yeah. And when I was leaving there, um, I ended up getting recruited by uh, ghost and I ended up doing, starting actually just part-time on their support team, just, uh, while I was going to school to be a dietitian, and uh, I was like, yeah, sure, I'll work at Ghost. Like, Ghost is such a cool company, and I've always been on the front end, like sales and retail. Um, so it'd be cool to see what's going on on the inside, on the other side of it. And I fell in love with it. Like, I started working full time, like before I knew it there, and I fell in love with CX at that point because um, it doesn't seem like when you get a job or you're like replying for applying for things like CX or support isn't the most glamorous thing. Uh, and I think a lot of people still have that like outlook on it. Um, 
And once I saw that, like, you get to interact with every single part of the business and, like, really understand how a business, like a direct-to-consumer, even in this case, it was both, um, and that's how CHOPS is too, direct-to-consumer and retail, how you get to understand, like, how that business works. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I've always had, like, also, like, a very entrepreneurial, like, uh, mindset. And it was such a cool, like, learning experience to me because I got to figure out how everything works, but then like if something breaks or if something's wrong, how to fix it and how to prevent it moving forward. So yeah. I just fell in love with support and CX from there. I had, I learned so much at Ghost. Um, I was also very uh, lucky or maybe not lucky, but I felt very blessed to be able to go into that world because I didn't have any like online D2C experience, but Ghost at the time was a very small team. I think I was employee number eight um which yeah it was crazy so they were very small and um i got that opportunity to just like learn a lot without having all that experience uh then i took a little hiatus (laughs) (laughs) this has this has nothing to do with d2c but i got recruited to be on this little tv show (laughs) not that cool it's called frogger well okay it's cool um it's called frogger (laughs) it's on peacock you can watch episode number four But I ended up leaving Ghost to go film this TV show because I filmed it in Australia for six weeks. Um, So nothing to do with D2C or CX or anything. But I was like, I wanted to do this opportunity. And um, then I ended up streaming on Twitch. (laughs) It's such a weird background. So then I uh, streamed on Twitch. And I was like happy doing that because for those of you who don't know, um, I was literally just playing video games and getting paid for it and having so much fun building building my brand um and i got into that because of ghost having a gaming product and learning about twitch and gaming through there um and then i was just kind of happy like just like building my twitch and playing video games until i got um recruited by chumps because uh yeah they reached out to me and asked if I wanted to get back into CX and presented this opportunity to me. Um, I actually said no at first because I was like, I'm playing video game. Like, why would I want to go back and get a job? But yeah. in reality, I was like not as fulfilled doing play, like streaming full time because I missed that like business aspect and working with a team and building something and like all the things, the cool things that come from D to C, I did miss that. So I like heard out the job opportunity and I ended up obviously accepting the position and I'm so, so happy I did. I do sometimes miss playing video games all day, but (laughs) I got back into it and I um, got to take over more of the like retention front on um, CX where I didn't um, as much have that like role at ghost. So I've been learning more about like what we were saying before, like every single customer touch point and like, how can you make that better? And then how can you retain these consumers and more of those like KPIs based on retention rather than just like uh, support tickets and like all of that organization that I feel like I've like almost mastered. There's always things coming up, but now I'm like challenged with this like digital marketing retention front that's been very different from my like ghost support cx experience so uh, yeah i mean a a very diverse background not your typical uh way in here the coming to chomps 
I, I, I hear you on the small company entrepreneurial mindset for, you know, those that don't know it's a Saturday, right. And we're here doing a podcast. Oh, yeah, today we're just excited about like, you know, yeah. what we're doing, what we're building. Uh, and there's a natural energy that comes with that. I totally agree. As you got into chumps, um, you said something earlier, people think the head of CX is the head of support, which just isn't true, right? The CX is throughout the entire journey. Um, I don't know why it gets bucked into that, but it does. Yeah. How, how do you coming into chumps have a seat at the table? Cause like you said, you're dealing with finance. We're going to do promotions. And how do we, like we talked about this earlier, like how do we give discounts, but not lose money on sales um, marketing? Like how do we bring people in the door and drive longer retention, you know, dealing with the CEO, what's the voice of the customer? What's all that? So anyway, you are wearing every hat in the organization in the role that you're in. Um, how did you come here and say, I'm going to have a seat at the table and get investment from the leadership team versus where I talked to a lot of CX leaders who struggle saying, I want to implement this. I want to do that. And it's, everything's a fight. Like everything is a fight to try to improve the experience. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel very lucky at Chomps because they, I've never had to fight for it at Chomps. Um, they've always kind of like trusted or I feel trusted when I yeah. talk about like, and I think it's um, being able, and maybe this is where some like CX leaders struggle, but there's, there's a whole, I, I hear them, you know, like I feel that deep inside my soul where it's like yeah. having to fight for that position because, but a lot of it I think is like, you have to c come prepared with the data and show that like you are making a difference data, data driven. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, I mean, there are those CX leaders or in, in your role where you, you are presenting the data, you are coming prepared with these like PowerPoints of showing why your, your job is so important. Um, and people just don't understand. And that sucks. Um, and I've been there before too, but at Chomps, I do feel very lucky because they do understand. And I honestly think it's because Pete, the CEO, um, he did, he did the support tickets for mm. the first couple years yeah. of the, the company. And I think he did like, he was, he was the touch point. So he gets it where it's like that touch point between your consumers is you're the, you're the front of, front of line and you are hearing the complaints. You're hearing the praise you're hearing what could be better. And like that shapes the experience a lot of times. And you're, you're just like, that's how you understand your consumers. Um, it doesn't come from like the marketing initiatives. It doesn't come from the warehouse fulfillment. Like everybody else is kind of like, just making sure their job gets done, which is like also really, really important, but they don't really hear what's coming, who they don't talk to the, the consumers really. Yeah. Um, so it's very interesting. And we were talking about this because some companies, which like you were getting on, uh, they'll, they'll have, uh, which I love this. This is how I think it should be is in, this, I am biased because it's my position. Probably everybody, <laughs> everyone thinks the same thing, but it's like you struggle trying to figure out where the CX team sits. Some, some teams will be on the marketing team and some teams will be on the operations team because yeah. that's kind of like how businesses are siloed and then the finance team. And that doesn't make as much sense, but you do, you should become uh, like connecting with your finance team too, but sitting under them doesn't really make mm -hmm. much sense, but it's like operations or marketing. Where do we stick the CX team? But 
in reality, the CX team should be communicating with both these teams so much that it's almost yeah. like it should be experience. You should be, have the whole experience of the, the customer and then the marketing team and operations like connect to that, in my opinion, because if you don't, if the experience team doesn't understand both those sides, it's like a snowball ripple effect. Like we were talking about, like you, you don't understand how to fix these issues or what to bubble up. What's actually like an issue that could be fixed and an issue that might be inevitable. So it's a very interesting thing. Um, yeah. And There's, it's actually funny you laid it out like that because this, this comes up a ton in this world. And what I've always said, you know, when people ask me, I feel like it's whoever's the better leader, honestly, is who CX should report to. It doesn't really matter to your point, but it does. If marketing is incentivized to get customers in the door, uh, but they're not being taken care of the proper way the rest of the journey, and then they churn, then that's put on operations or whatever it might be. And it's, it's not the full cycle and everybody is doing their best job at to what they're incentivized to do uh yeah. we just have to rethink that a bit so it's really interesting the way you lay out have a umbrella it, it, whether to, you know some of these ddc brands are you know like i get it like they're small you're not going to hire a chief experience officer right but there should be that experience umbrella with both working hand in hand with the same incentives for the customer yeah I, i'm with you i was uh listening to uh I went to D2CX Retain, which was like just such a fun, like it was just yeah. all about experience. And um, I was listening to the Pr Princess Polly, uh, how they do their CX. And the op, she, uh, her name's Alexandria. She's amazing. She, she's the, op, um, she, or what's her title? She's um, the head of operations and CX. And I was like, that's like a very interesting position because usually operations is just operations they don't mm -hmm. really deal with cx besides like talking to the cx team but i had never heard of it being like operations and cx in one thing and um yeah. it got me thinking and in um at ghost i was more involved with the operations team and i like started off as being like kind of siloed in the operations team and um then i got then we got like shifted over to the marketing team. And it was interesting because now at Champs, I'm falling under the marketing team and I didn't really think much of it. Um, but I under I always have understood that the communication and that feedback loop from the consumers to the operations team is very important. So I have meetings with the operations team. But yeah. if I was just thrown into a marketing team without that experience of like having all that operations, I just it's just would be so much more difficult um, for like inventory purposes and fulfillment delays and um, even like fixing like if there's a problem on the website and the SKU is messed up and then none yeah. of those orders get sent to fulfillment. So yeah. it's very interesting. And when, when I heard that her um, Alexandria from Princess, Princess Polly talk about that, I was like, that's something I didn't really like think about recently, but um yeah. it is crazy how like cx needs to be like have all that communication and connected to everything um and i feel like founders sometimes don't know what to do with those cx leaders as far as like who do, who does everyone who do they work with yeah yeah i totally agree and, and and the thing that we keep touching on with cx leaders is the best 
are very, very good with the data. Like you started this convo out saying, being able to tell a story with data. I mean, that's a skill that you learn over time, but also analyzing the data, cookies are going away. How do we get in front of the right people? Like there's just so many things to know. It's not just making sure people are happy. Like there's just so much to it on the back end that is very, very technical. And I see a lot of agents who become heads of CX really get set up for failure because they get thrown into this role because they were really, really good at solving out tickets and making people happy. And then they get promoted to head of CX and they've got no support. And they're just like, yeah. I'm try trying my best. But like, I just did not know how technical the whole back end is. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great point you bring up. Yeah. And I learned that, like, I wouldn't say the hard way, but I, I realized how important it was when I would bring like issues to the operations team at Ghost. And um, they'd be like, well, how many, how many customers did this happen to like in percentage compared to like how many sales we had? And like, <clears throat> as like CX, you're like always dealing with just like some type of issue and you feel like yeah. it's like this big problem. But then, yeah. yeah, like when you compare it to sales, it might, it's very important to solve this problem because you're, you need to make sure that you're retaining like as many customers as possible, but yeah. like it helps you prioritize what, which issues should be tackled first or which yeah. like experiences should be tackled first like how many people are touching these and um so i i learned just how to like dig into data and trying to find um the best way to present it so that because everyone's busy you know like everybody you need to you need to go to these other people in the company with like everything prepared and mm -hmm. if you don't know how to um gather that data maybe instead like just ask definitely ask for help, you know, um, or reach out to a fellow like CX leader in another company and ask them how they yeah. organize this data. Uh, cause it is really important, um, to, and it's a small world. Like the community is, I, I feel like yeah. very tight. The, the, the last part about the data is, uh, I come from a sales background in the past. So it, it, same, kind of the same thing with the CX side, like you're talking to a customer, it gets emotional. Like you want to help that person and you feel that, and then you bring that to the table. When you do look at it with data though, it, it does strip the emotion away and just shows what is, you know, what's best for the business here. Um, so yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I it, from a, uh, you know, I, I work at a software company, I'm building a software product, same thing. Like somebody really wants this feature and it's like, great, we should be on the roadmap, but do we prioritize it others? Like, let's go, dive deeper, let's go talk to more people, let's iterate based on feedback versus our gut and what we feel like is the right decision. So uh, what I'm getting at, I just feel like the best run companies overall employ that same strategy, not just with CX, but throughout the organization. Yeah, and it's hard for us because most people in CX are like empaths. Like, yeah, do, yeah, yeah, totally. Like it's hard and and uh, to keep that balance too because you don't wanna strip away all of your emotions <laughs> because yeah. those are important because that's, you're like, you are, you should sympathize and empathize with your consumers, but then yes, you have to find that balance of like, what's, yeah. uh, makes sense, like for the business and takes care of the consumers at the same time. So staying onto this theme of the, uh, you know, like who reports to who this and that, especially going the holidays, uh, look, we call the podcast, the blend, because I, I'm a huge believer in what a lot of people talk about happy employees. You're going to have better customer experiences, no doubt. How are you thinking about your employees uh, that report into you and overall at Chomps heading into the holiday season? But but overall, like how do you ensure they're taken care of? 
That's a good question too. Um, I all my biggest thing is to try my best to make sure people aren't overworked. Um, and because I've <laughs> I've also been there where it's like, <laughs> uh, it's just uh, COVID was the worst for this because yeah. um, no business knew what was going to happen the next day, and it was like. I don't know if we can hire someone because like, what if people stop buying online or like, what if people get laid off and with the economy changes and, you know, so we were very like small team, like getting everything done because we didn't know what to do. So we were, we had a lot of tickets during COVID because it was like spike of D to C sales, but we don't know how long it's going to last. And so like, should we hire or not? It was like a very difficult thing for, and I'm sure a lot of um, CX teams experienced that, um, especially in D2C because um, yep. you couldn't shop in store. Yep. Uh, but I learned a lot of like different tactics. And again, at Chops, they do it so well because uh, every single employee that's hired at Chops has to be trained on the desk, um, meaning like they have to answer CX tickets for their first, <laughs> it's their, it's their, um, Part of the onboarding process so that. it's so cool and because it's very valuable for a lot of different reasons um people get to understand what the consumers are doing and uh get to get to experience every part of that business and uh so for example for this upcoming um sale time i have backup from our internal team who's not cx like as like if something, if we do get overwhelmed, like, can you come in and get, take over these like tier one or these like easy low hanging fruit tickets? Oh, well, cool. yeah. While the rest of the team tackles like the more complicated things. Um, but ev we are able to do that because everybody's had at least like that, like entry level experience handling tickets when they first got hired and people actually like enjoy it <laughs> a lot of people say it humbles them a lot of it gives it gives a lot of respect for the cx team uh and it's that's how we're handling it at chomps is we're just making sure that there's that backup from like the internal team um which i think and again i'm biased but i think that's the best way to do it i think um, it's so cool there, there's i don't mean to cut you off but that it's so interesting i haven't really heard that and it i would assume a good energy comes from that overall, because you get somebody on there who solves out a bunch of tickets, you highlight them in Slack, they're going above and beyond in, in front of leadership. Like there's only positive outcomes that come from that, as long as they're not being overworked. Like that yeah. is a very interesting approach that I would think has a really good impact on culture too. Yeah. And if you think about it, the, it like being on a CX team during Black Friday kind of sucks because, <laughs> <laughs> because like you are involved in like, or a lot of times you are involved in like all of that prep going up to it. But then like for once the sale starts, like marketing teams, like, oh, okay, yeah. it's over, you know, like, but the CX team is still like getting all this stuff. And it's like, not even just like the days of the sale, it's the, the next week's coming because people are like, orders are or um, packages are lost. And so like that, like catch up from it. So if you think about it, like all the marketing and operations team has like worked their ass off getting to that day and then they can kind of breathe after that. Um, yeah. So if you could just like keep some of those people on just as backup, like and we're not expecting them to have to like be on the desk all day, you know, it, 
in the perfect world, we actually won't even need to have them um, jump in, but they're still like kind of like on call and they can like block out their calendar and do less meetings. And um, in like best, best scenarios, we don't need them and they can just like block out their calendar and relax a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And if not, if we do need them, then we have them and it's um, hopefully setting us up for success. I love it. I, I I mean, your normal course of action, right, is to scale up the BPO and um, handle mm -hmm. it that way, which is which is fine too. I mean, it, it works yep. well. I'm just it, it's it, it's a very interesting approach uh, that I love because I running the business there's there's like weird ways you can impact culture and, and get that good energy going, and I think that's one of them. Um, I know we're 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 running over a little bit here. I'm sorry. I know it's your Saturday. Uh, going into 2023, this will be the last topic. What are you thinking about in terms of how to differentiate chomps? I, I mean, it, it's a meat stick that's really good. It's grass-fed. I totally get it. Um, but how do you get people excited about it? How do you differentiate your customer experience from others? Like, what's top of mind going into the new year? Uh, actually, the going into 2023, I'm really, really looking at that second purchase rate okay. um, and trying to figure out how to get that second purchase rate up. And then... <clears throat> If so, and this is probably with like a lot of people who, or a lot of businesses who have like consumables or a lot of SKUs even, um, if you look at your data from your, and if you haven't looked at this, I'd encourage you to, um, the consumers, your first time consumers and how much they purchase, but then also like take them out, but like look at the people who purchase after that second um, purchase. Mm -hmm. The LTV of just like getting them to that second purchase is like way higher. Um, and we have a lot of new customers. Our um, repurchase rate is actually like really, I think like high in comparison to other companies um, who have consumables, but like I'm not satisfied with it yeah. because I'm like, I just feel like there's no reason that somebody should purchase once and that purchase again. Yeah. Um, and actually, so doing that, but then also filling in the gap of trying to figure out, like, are we losing these customers and why? Or are they trying it online and then finding it in stores? And that's why they're not purchasing. Mm. And yeah. trying to, like, fill that gap. So I'm trying to find a, the best way possible to um, – we don't care where people buy chomps as long as they're buying chomps. So yeah. I'm not like trying to get people to stop buying in retail and buy online, but I want to figure out a way that we can connect with yeah. our retail consumers and uh, still track that data. And there's a bunch of different ways. Like it almost, to, when I first started thinking about this topic, it felt like it's impossible. Like how would you track that? But um, there's there are very interesting ways you give some examples that's super interesting because i you talk a, about this and people will reach out to those past customers and just like ask them did you buy in store instead but like mm -hmm. how, how are you going about it yeah so um as far as like there's two different ways so for those to like retain those new customers we're trying different ways where we um change the experience for first-time customers um we treat them like first time customers and like welcome them to the brand, whether yeah. we're going to try different ways of like um, different gift with purchases in that first, first purchase and like test and check the data to see if it 
changes their LTV. Like if they, if our repurchase rate of getting them to that second purchase and getting to them to that second purchase faster, um, doing things like that, but then also that like onsite experience or um, those flows, those email flows or SMS flows, there's that front. But for the retail part of like, if they're not purchasing because they're purchasing in retail, I'm really trying to figure out if there's um, something we can do on the packaging to connect them with their like rewards account, for example. Yeah. Um, there's a really cool tech, new tech out there called Swapped QR. Have you heard of it? Um, I just saw it. Uh, they just launched, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I met them actually at D2C Retain, and we're talking about different things that we can do to put a QR code on, like, not on the box, but, like, on the inside of the stick where you can't just, like, scan it if you don't buy it. But we have, uh, like, inspirational quotes on our chomps, like, on the inside. So I'm trying to yeah. see if we can put, like, a QR code, and we can do different things with these QR codes. We could just give them points for scanning, you know, and, like, that would cause them to, we'd ha we'd get to, like, get their um, Clavio data, like, or their email and their SMS, um, yeah. they'd get points. So that's like a win-win for everyone. And then, or we can do like rewards as far as like try every flavor. And once you try every flavor, like it triggers this event and it will send you some swag, you know? Yeah. So like yeah. having like gamifying the experience, but this, but like, don't just do it for D to C, like think about retail too. So like that, yeah. that's like my big thing for my like, goal in 2023 is like think more big picture retail to not just um d to c uh because that's i think that's another cx thing is like a lot of people get stuck in this like d to c d to c d to c world yep. but yep. like if you sell your products in store too like how do you connect those consumers to the online experience too yeah and it, i love the the gamification aspect human beings just will they will take to that. Um, I know people that do not buy in store because it won't hit the reward account, whatever, um, if, if they can buy online. But then to your point, if they're not set up for subscription, they might forget and it lingers on. And like you're just losing sales where it's not intentional by the person, but they feel like they're being cheated unless they buy through your channel, um, which is super interesting. Uh, that, that I, haven't heard, I haven't thought about it that way. I, I've thought about it more of like just surveys did you buy in a retail store if so like what kind whatever without being too intrusive and like yeah because like you that get people tough. to fill out the surveys but like who wants to fill out a survey nobody <laughs> unless you're really happy or you're really upset like it's five yeah. stars or one star it's not you don't it's so hard to get that's why i was so curious to get those in between the qr code is very interesting even in a way that like when they scan it it links to your reward like it shows the linking of the reward account and, and you get more data on the back end. But there, there's a lot to that. So very, very cool. Um, I, will, I will share that around too. I, I did not know yeah. what the company did when you, I think you shared it in the discord group that, that, uh, Oh yeah, yeah. this, mm -hmm. and I didn't understand it either until Andrew explained it to me, but I get it now. Cause a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of QR code, like, uh, tech out there, but uh, most of them will just like, make you a QR code and you can link it to the TikTok or like you can link it here, yeah. but like you're on the company's front, you're not really like figuring out who's scanning. Um, and swap QR has a integration to, well, they can like integrate to anything, but the big one is like Clavio, which a lot of businesses, bigger businesses use, um, yeah. or even smaller. Yeah. Like everyone uses Clavio, but so like 
they can scan and based on like the device, they know whether they're in your Clavio system because of their email or their SMS. And so like you can change that experience once they scan the QR code based on that information. So you have these like flows. It's like if they scan and we have their information, show this message. If they scan and we don't have their information, show this message. So it's like a way more advanced like QR code rather than just like scan this QR code and it pops up to our Instagram, you know, and it's like, how do you track that? From your, again, the whole CX journey now from the digital marketing perspective, making sure you get out in front of your customers. Hey, when you're buying retail, like under the quote, look for this because we want to reward you. And yeah, the whole thing. Very cool. Yeah. I love it. I'll look out for that. Um, all right. Well, that, I, we're at time. That's it. So how, if, if you've dropped a lot of good stuff here, if people want to follow along with you, connect with you, like what's, what's the best way to get in touch? Uh, yeah. So for like D to C stuff, um, reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is underscore Z O E K A H N, uh, Zoe Khan. You can find me there. Uh, LinkedIn is cool too. Uh, and then I'm on like all socials. You can find me on like Instagram and you can, you, Follow my Twitch if you want to. I still stream every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> if you want to watch me play video games, uh, that's cool too. And the video game of choice? Call of Duty right now. Love that. Love it. Yep. When I did game before I had kids and I've got no time anymore, COD was uh-huh. a lot of fun. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. This was awesome. This was, this was a lot of fun. Um, thanks, thanks for joining us and uh, we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you. All right.